this morning, I, I just want us to look at a few or a couple passages of Scripture this morning. And as we're in a series called We Are a Living Church, and I, I just, these are things that you know about the church, but I just think they're important for us to be reminded of about who we are as a church. And so we're going to just look at a couple passages this morning, but um, I don't know, I was singing that this morning, and I'm just like, man, and if it lifts you higher, burn in me your desire. And what is that? A passion that's worthy of your name. Burn in me. It's a prayer, right? We talked about what is prayer, pouring our hearts out to God and saying, if this lifts you higher, what you know it does, burn in me your desire, God, a passion worthy of your name. God, I pray that for us this morning. I just want to say welcome. Thank you for meeting with your church, not just here, but all around the globe in places where it's not welcome to worship you, God. You are doing a mighty work, and we thank you for that. And I pray that for us this morning that are here, that God, that, those words would be true to our heart, that you would burn within us your desire, which is a passion that's worthy of your name. And so as we look at your scriptures this morning, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do that. Would you answer that prayer for every disciple that's in this room? Would you burn within each of us a passion that's worthy of your name? And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this morning, I just want, us to, I just want to share with you three truths, three reminders really about the church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, you'll see it on the screen, but I want to begin by reading verse 16 of Matthew chapter 16. And two, I just want to remind us again, Jeremy mentioned it, but 1.30 this afternoon, it would be awesome if a bunch of us showed up outside their house and just prayed over their neighborhood, pouring out our hearts to God, right, with a passion worthy of his name, that God would do something amazing in that neighborhood, in that community of Erlanger for his glory. But we come here to Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 and through 18, and Jesus says, verse 15, verse 15 Jesus says to his disciples, but who are people saying that I am? And Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus answers him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then he makes this incredible statement and he says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I remember as a kid growing up in church, and my dad's a pastor, and I remember kind of like what our needs are here. We needed volunteers in the church nursery. And so that was one of the things that I did. I volunteered in our church nursery, and I, and I enjoyed it. I, I really, it, it was a lot of fun. And one thing that I remember specifically was in our church nursery, we had these stackable blocks. And one of the things that I, I, I know that the kids love to do, and so it was my turn to serve in the church nursery to volunteer, we would just get these blocks with these little kids, and we would just stack them as high as we could possibly get them without them falling over. And the fun for them was to make sure that all the blocks fell on me. And so they would come, and they would run through the blocks. They would knock the blocks over. And, with, you know, and that was just a fun thing to do, was to build this tower and then to knock it down. But here Jesus, what he says here, he's looking at his living community of 12, and he tells them that he's building something. 
And what he's building isn't made out of stackable church nursery blocks. It's not even made out of bricks and mortar. And what Jesus is building isn't even a building. What he's building is a people, a movement, a specific people. And literally, that word church means people, a called out people. He's building a community of Jesus followers, disciples who know him, who have a desire and a passion to live worthy of his name, to make him known not only locally but around the globe to the nations. And Jesus says, I'm building this. I'm building my church. And even hell itself can't stop it. I mean, the second most powerful force in the universe is hell. Heaven being the first, the most powerful. And Jesus looks at his 12 disciples, his living community of 12, and he says, hell can't stop us. Hell can't stop the church. Can't stop it. Can't stop this people that Jesus is building. And the first thing I just think we need to be reminded of is that the church is unstoppable. We're unstoppable. I was a couple weeks ago just reading some different tweets of different people, and one was from a pastor, Matt Carter, who is a pastor down in Austin, Texas. And he had just come back from spending a few days helping with the relief efforts in Houston, Texas from Hurricane Harvey. And this is what he had to say about the church. He said, after spending three days with the people of Houston, here's my takeaway. The body of Christ, when mobilized and unified, is unstoppable. Unstoppable. Now, why are we unstoppable? Well, it comes back, I think, to Peter's statement upon this, or to Jesus' statement upon this rock. And I really think that the rock that Jesus is referring to is the statement that Peter just said about Jesus, that you're the Christ, you're the solid rock. On that solid rock, the church stands, and nothing, nothing can knock down that rock. And so we're unstoppable because of the Jesus we're built on, because of the rock of Jesus, but we're unstoppable because of the power of the gospel that we preach. We're unstoppable because of the Jesus, the King we serve, and we're unstoppable because of this power of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for what? It is the what? Of God. The power of God. That word power, we get our word dynamite from. The gospel blows up Fear. It blows up whatever might keep you from living on mission for Jesus. It blows it up. Because your identity, your security is wrapped up in what Jesus says about you. And so we have this king who's unstoppable, the rock who is Jesus. We have this gospel that's amazing, that transforms lives, it transforms marriages, it restores, it redeems, it heals, it makes people's, the soul of, of people well. And then we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside us, Romans chapter 8. And so here we have the same spirit, the resurrected Jesus from the grave. And you're if a disciple, if you are a disciple of Jesus, that spirit of God that raised Jesus from the grave right now where you sit is living and active inside of you. In some ways that can, should scare you a little bit. Like, that's amazing. That the spirit of God is living inside us, Romans 8, chapter 11. The same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the grave, the moment you trust Jesus as Savior, the spirit of God comes inside you to help you live this life that he's called you to live. And so we're unstoppable because of the Jesus we serve, because of the, the gospel we share, and because of the spirit who lives inside us. But do we really believe that? Do you really believe that the church is unstoppable. Do I really believe it? 
I'm, I'm studying this this week and I'm going, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that? What? Let me ask you a question. I want, I want you to imagine for a moment, what would it look like if we actually believed what Jesus said here about the church? What would it look like for you personally, as a follower of Jesus, for your living community, for your family, what would it look like if you really believed what Jesus says here about the church? How would you live differently if you really believe this? That question, I want you to take the next minute with the people around you, and I want you to answer and discuss that question. How would you live differently, or how would your living community live differently? What would it look like? What do you see if we really believed what Jesus says here about the church. Take a minute and talk about that with people next to you. Share with me, what are some of the things? Well, what do you see? What do you imagine if we really believe Jesus' words that the church is unstoppable? What are some of the things you talked about? Some of the things you shared? Yes, Caleb. You know where one of the places where the church right now is exploding? Iran. Iran. Hotbed of persecution. Exploding. People are becoming Christians, followers of Jesus like crazy. Unstoppable. Not because of them, because of Jesus. I got goosebumps because of Christ, because of the gospel, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, if we really believe this, we'd have the confidence to just tell people about Christ. And it wouldn't matter what people think of us. What else? What do you see? How would we live differently if we really believe this? Right. So maybe your focus shifts a little bit, what you're focusing on, what you're thinking about, rather than it's so much more about my circumstances, and maybe the focus turns more to how can I encourage and share the gospel with other people that are hurting? What else? What else do you see? I want you to think about that question. A couple other truths that I want us to see about the church, I want you to go to the book of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 28 kind of give you a little bit of background of what's happening here. Paul and his missionary team, they were sent out from a church in Antioch, where that's from Syria. Antioch is in Syria, so really the church planting movement started in Syria. Go figure that one out, right? So it started there. So they're sent out from a church in Syria, and they go, Paul and his missionary team, they go from city to city to city, and they're, they're preaching the gospel. You see that in verse 21 of chapter 14. They had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. And then they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, picking it up in verse 22. They're strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church, what's that tell you? That the missionary team gets into a city, they tell people about Jesus, they make many disciples, and then they start house churches. Sounds like a familiar vision and mission. Make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, make Christ known through the multiplication of churches. That's what's happening here because they're appointing church leaders in, in every city. And then they come back. They actually circle back around to the church where it all started, where they were sent out from in Antioch. And in verse 27, it says this, And when they arrived, they gathered the church together, and they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. And I love how the author of Acts, who is, his name is Luke, 
how he describes what Paul and his team are doing in verse 27. He phrases it this way. They declared all that God had done with them. All that God had done with them. And there's a partnership that you see here, right? That God's doing it, but he's using his people to get the mission accomplished. All that God had done with them. And what, the second truth I want us to see is that, that we're needed. God uses his people to get the mission accomplished, to get it done. I, we know this, but I think sometimes we just we forget it. Listen, so God's means for getting the gospel to the nations, to our city, to your neighborhood, to your apartment complex, to your campus, to your school, to your coworkers, it's through you, church. It's through us. You live where you live because God has people there who need the gospel. They need to know Jesus. And he's going to use you to get the mission accomplished there. Listen, Jesus didn't come just to rescue you from hell. Let that sit for a little bit. He definitely came for that. Don't get me wrong. He didn't come just to rescue you from hell, but he came to give you a purpose for living. A purpose for life. Now, think, why did he give you the Holy Spirit? Why? Why does he give you the gospel? He gives it to you so that you have the power and the tools and the person necessary for living this mission that he's called us to live. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Peter's writing, or Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, yes, Jesus Christ has saved us and he's given you a holy calling. We're on mission and God has always used his people to accomplish the mission. When God wanted to rescue his people from famine in Genesis, who did he use? Joseph. When he wanted to rescue his people from over 400 years of slavery, who did he use? Moses. When he wanted to live among his people and come down and dwell among them, he used his people to build a tabernacle. When he wanted to rescue his people from genocide, who did he use? Queen Esther. When he wanted to rescue his people from Goliath, he used who? David. And when he wanted to send his son into the world to rescue from sin, he used Mary. And when he wants to get the gospel to the nations, he's going to use the church. That's always been God's means for accomplishing his mission is through his people. So we're needed. We're needed. So if you consider yourself part of this fellowship of the church, not just living church, but what Jesus is building, this community of Jesus followers, you are needed. We need you. It's like a tandem bike. It's like a tandem bicycle, right? The, the tandem bicycle is not built for just one person to do all the pedaling. Right? It's not built for just one person to do all the pedaling. He says it's with them. God did this with them. Jesus built the church not just for you and me to sit along while everyone else pedals. The role of your living community pastor is not for he or she to do all the work. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, I've equipped them so that they can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We need everybody pedaling. We need everyone pedaling to reach the city. We need everyone pedaling to reach the community. We need people pedaling, pedaling, pedaling. <laughs> you need to pedal because that's why Jesus saved you, not just to rescue you from hell, but the, the best life you could live is a life on mission telling people about Jesus. Jesus showed us how to live, and that's how he lived his life. Right? You were saved, not just to be rescued from hell, but to be part of what Jesus is doing all around the globe to help people know who Jesus is. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this. We're one church, but many parts. And listen, some of us, we need to stop having a pity party. 
about church, where it's all about me. What am I getting out of it? It's not feeding me. It's not, stop it. Stop it. It's not about you. It's about us, together, on mission, pedaling together for the glory of Jesus. That's what it's about. And not only are we unstoppable, but the, but the passage tells us in Acts 14 that we're, we're needed. We're needed. So let me ask you this question. What's pedaling look like for you? What's pedaling look like for you? I want you to think about that question, and we'll come back to it later. But if you look at verse 27, there's another truth that I want us to see here, that not only are we unstoppable, not only are we needed, but what are they doing? What's the church doing in verse 27? They get the church together, and they're declaring all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They're celebrating. They're celebrating what God had done. And I just imagine them getting up, and they're like, let me tell you this story about what God did. Let me tell you about this story. And how he healed this person. And how they actually, Barnabas gets up in front of the church and, and he's telling the people at the church in Antioch, he's like, yeah, we actually went into the city and they actually thought I was Zeus. It's right, it says it right there in Acts chapter 14. And Paul's going, yeah, they thought I was one of those Greek gods too. It's crazy. But let me tell you, God used that to allow us to tell, tell them about Jesus. Nuts. That's what the story, they're telling the people what God had done and how he had transformed people's lives with the good news of Jesus. We're to celebrate. We're to celebrate God because he's the one that did it, all that God had done with them. And so I just want to take the next few moments and I want us to celebrate. I want to share with you what God has been doing with you the past six months. So I just want you to listen and I want you to celebrate God because I, I want to share with you some of the things that God has done with you, Living Church, these past six months. Start with your financial giving. You gave $600 recently to help a living community pastor out who was struggling financially, struggling to pay bills. You helped meet a need, a very practical, tangible need. You've given over $1,000 toward our living communities, toward the living community offering that we started a couple months ago. You've given over $300 to help offset some expenses for our living community pastors, especially as it relates to child care, as they have living community house church meetings in their homes and they got to provide child care. We're you're helping pay for some of that child care. You've given $230 to a Christian school in Cincinnati to help those students learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus because you provided journals, discipleship journals for those students. You gave over $200 to a Northern Kentucky Christian school to help pay for devotional books as a student ministry team led by our own Jason Tucker went to Haiti. You helped provide devotional books for that student missionary team. You've given over $1,000, all this just within the last six months, to help plant churches and encourage pastors in Kentucky and Ohio. And if you're giving to Living Church, you're part of that. And if you're not, I want to say you're missing out on a blessing. You're missing out on being a part of what God's doing. And this last summer was one of our best financial giving summers ever in the history of Living Church. That's crazy for a church in the summer. It's amazing what God is doing. And so I want to say thank you for peddling. Thank you through your giving. What else has God done in the last six months? Well, back in April, our Anderson Summit Living Community sent Christian and Heather Rosewell to start a living community in Highland Heights, Kentucky. And if you're part of that, you need to be present. You need to show up. You need to help them reach that neighborhood for Jesus. And we need to pray for them. And if you're not part of a living community, they meet three Saturday nights out of the month. They're right there. Put your hands up, Rosewells. Talk to them. Jump into their living community being part of what God's doing over there in Highland Heights. 
In the past six months, we sent Jason Tucker, pastor of Crescent Springs Living Community, to lead a, a mission team of students to Haiti. You were part of that. Jenny Moran, some of you don't even know who Jenny Moran is. She was part of our Crescent Springs Living Community. She just started her second year of teaching in China for the purpose of helping those kids know who Jesus is. She's over there right now. Tim Stankin and Lisa Stankin, some of you may not even know their names, may not know who they are, but they've been pastoring our Taylor Mill Living Committee for the past several years. It's all, this is so exciting because it's always been on Tim's heart to be a lead pastor of a church. Well, just recently, God has provided some opportunities for Tim to pursue something like that, and it's incredibly exciting. Tim and I have met. It's really exciting for him. It's been on his heart for a long time, been a burden for him. We gave him a a sabbatical over a year ago to just pursue different ministry opportunities, and now God seems to have brought him the specific opportunity to lead and pastor a whole church, and he's super excited for that. So he and I met down, met over the past summer and we're talking through this we both agree you know what it's just best for you and lisa right now that you guys just be freed of living church and you can go pursue what god's laid on your heart in this new ministry opportunity that's awesome and so they're not going to be officially connected with living church anymore or their living community so that they can pursue this burden that god's placed on your heart on their heart and we're super excited about that why because the measure of a healthy church is not how many it can seat but how many it sins how many it sins? We may never be a huge, ginormous church on Sunday with a thousand people, but I pray we can send a thousand people. That's what my heart, that's what you see in the New Testament. That's a first century church, so it's super exciting when we can send people out to do kingdom work locally and around the globe. Our Anderson Sherwood Living Community, this summer they hosted a neighborhood block party. Kyle and Susan Mack and Brad and Joy Jackson, they knocked it out of the park. It was awesome as they had bouncy castles and all these different things and a grill out and loads of neighbors came. It was It was incredible what God was doing. That's all happening. Through you, Living Church, it's amazing what God's doing. Crescent Springs Living Community, every month, they take a meal to local firefighters. Every every month. With the purpose of living out the gospel, of making Jesus known. Let me tell you something that happened in our Anderson Summit Living Community this past summer. We had uh, someone who was a single mom. She was moving into a different home. And some guys were helping her move, some guys from our living community, and they realize she has a washer but doesn't have a dryer. So they're helping her with this. And these two guys get talking. They're like, she's got to have a dryer. So they get talking, and they're like, let's go get her a dryer. Right there on the spot, they load up, they go to the local store they, of their own money, and they buy this woman a dryer so that she has a washer and a dryer. That's what God is doing through you living church. And here's what I almost did. I almost bought a bunch of party favors, like the little things you can blow. Because y'all are like, serious? Come on, God is doing an awesome work. It's super exciting. And it's like sometimes like, you just need to blow that thing. Cause it, take away the awkwardness. Yes. Um, also, after we gave our testimony in March, we received a very unexpected but much needed at the time love offering from you guys of almost $1,200. That's right. On the spot, you guys gave $1,200 to them because of the needs they have. Yes. All right. God is doing it. He's doing it. Sometimes we don't always get to see it, but we don't do it so we can see it, right? We do it because we have a God who saves. That's what you're doing, church. It's, it's amazing. And God's raising up people from within us to go plant new house churches. Dustin and Gabby Montgomery, they've been part of the Erlanger Living Community for the past couple years. Recently, they've come to us. They said, we have a burden to start a house church specifically for reaching NKU students. Dustin and Gabby, where are you? Thank you. 
They're right there. God's put a burden on their heart, and we're super excited. We're talking with them, and probably within the next three or four months, that thing's going to launch. It's going to blow up like you've never seen. I'm just believing that, not like physically, but with people. Okay? God is doing it. We talked about a pastor's pipeline and having some kind of means to train people that want to come and plant these house churches. Well, over the summer, Kyle Ackerson and Chris Collin have been working on this with a few others. It's finally done. We've got this training thing in place. If you want to see what it looks like, we've got copies of it in the back. Also, there's a letter, back up, letter from Tim Stankin that he wrote to our Living Community Pastor. You need to read that letter. It talks a lot about you and how grateful they are to Living Church. But we've got copies of the pastor's pipeline, what that looks like, Tim's letter, all these different things that God is doing. And I'm talking right now, somebody contacted me from Falmouth, Kentucky. He's doing a house church down in Falmouth. I have no clue who this dude is, but he finds out about us. He's like, hey, we want to be part of Living Church because we hear what God is doing. Can we do this? I'm like, let's meet. Let's have coffee. So it's God is just doing it for the purpose of the gospel. You want to know more? Hold on. Through our gatherings, we got over 30 people volunteering to serve and living kids, and we need more. Churches would die to have 30 people serve in their kids' ministry. You're doing it. So let's step up and let's help. If you're not already, do it. I volunteer in the church nursery as a teen. I loved it. It was a great opportunity. You need to do that. We have over 12 people who serve in music, worship, and AV. We got 11-year-olds serving, serving you guys this morning. How cool is that? And as a dad, it's really cool to be part of a church where my kids can serve. Really awesome. We have five different setup teams who get here at 7.30 in the morning on a rotation. It's pretty amazing what God's doing. We take this stuff for granted. Again, there are churches who would die to have one or two different setup teams. We have five. That's incredible. This summer, we had six different people teach here on Sunday morning, all from Living Church. Every single one of them. I have pastor friends who would be like, I tell them that, they're like, can we just have one of them? Because there's nobody within their church other than them that can preach or teach. It's amazing what God is doing through you and with you living church. How about our 26 by 26 vision? Right, where we, we believe God wants us to have 26 different house church living communities by 2026. Where are we with that? Well, coming in January or earlier, living community NKU, Falmouth, Kentucky. We're talking with different people about starting a, a Hispanic house church with Maria where she lives in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky in her trailer park where she lives. The pipeline training is complete. And last or six months ago, I talked to you in March about the need to bring on someone to help me pastor and lead and shepherd and launch this pipeline training. We talked about the need for another position. And at that time, I talked about how we believe it's Kyle Ackerson to come on part time in that role. We've got a job description of what Kyle will be doing. It'll be on the back. We're asking for $2,000 a month for his salary for part time. Let's do this. If you're going to have 26 living communities, that means you're going to have 26 pastors. I can't do all that. I can't. I need help. If I'm just brutally honest. But let me tell you what's cool. Six months ago, we had no clue we were going to get $2,000. All we need now is $300 more a month, and we're done. That's it. That's amazing. We have people you don't even know who are giving to living church so that we can make this happen. Because they believe in what we're doing. They believe in the mission. They believe in what God is doing through you. It's about people's lives being changed, about getting the gospel, the good news of Jesus to our city. 
And so I want to challenge you, before you leave today, if you're not giving, give so we can make this happen, so we can see God through his people transform their neighborhoods and their cities with the gospel. And I would love to stand up here next Sunday to say, hey, after last Sunday, people came up and said, we're going to start giving to make that happen. Let's do it, church. And let's celebrate God because he's the one doing it with us. And we're so close. Church, I hope this is an encouragement because God's using you. I am so proud of you. And that might sound weird, but I love you. And I'm so proud of you. I really am. And what God's doing with you, because you're living this out for the glory of Jesus, and he's using you. We, we have organizations that oversee thousands of churches going, what you all are doing is blowing us away. Little old us. Teach us, help us learn how you live on mission because you're doing it and we're not. It's amazing what God is doing, not for our own glory, but for the glory of the King. Burn within me a desire for your name, a passion worthy of your name, right? Church, we're unstoppable because of Christ. He's the solid rock we're built on. We're unstoppable because of the gospel we preach because of the Spirit inside us. Let's do this. And we're needed. God's going to get it done through you. Don't expect someone else to reach your neighbor. You, they're your neighbors for a reason. They're your neighbors for a reason. And then when we see God do a work, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. So here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to us this week to pedal. I want you to pedal this week. Well, what's pedaling look like? Hopefully I've given you a few ways you could pedal. You could help volunteer with the living kids. You could start giving to help us bring Kyle on uh, part-time. You need, can pedal by, if you're not involved with a living community, before next Sunday, you're going to jump in and be involved in one. But remember what, I, what you saw when I asked you the question, what do you see if we really believed? Jesus' words where he says we're unstoppable. What did you see? Remember what you saw? What's it look like for you believing that the church is unstoppable? What, it, what you're seeing right now, whatever you're thinking, do that this week. You serious? Yeah, I am. I really am. Because I believe what Jesus said, that he said, even hell itself can't stop the church. And we serve an amazing king. And you want evidence that hell can't stop the, can't stop the church? The evidence is the cross and the empty tomb because it tried. It tried and it failed. It failed. 2,000 years ago, and asked a band to come. 2,000 years ago, Jesus looks at his 12 disciples, his living community, and he tells them he's building something, not out of stackable blocks from a church nursery, not out of bricks and mortar, but he's building a people that are planted on the rock of Christ, empowered with the gospel, and doing this through the power of the Spirit inside us. And Jesus said this, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, that is who we are. That is who we are, an unstoppable, needed, celebrating people for the glory of Jesus. God, thank you for your, your spirit. Thank you for the gospel. And God, thank you for what you've done through us just within the last six months. I can't imagine what you have planned in the next year. And God, we give you all the praise, all the glory, because one, it's your grace that has allowed us the privilege to be part of what you're doing. And so, God, we go out from here excited 
about what you have next for us, knowing that through you, together we are unstoppable, and through you we are needed. And when you do something amazing, we want to pause and we want to say, yay, God, you did it. It's all you. So God, would you mobilize us and unify us so that when people see us, they say, that, that's a church, that's a people that's unstoppable. And God, for your name only, if your name is good and your name is worthy, use us. Amen.